I am not a natural public speaker by any means. Uh, on my basketball team, I'm known for not talking at all, uh, as much as I can. Uh, at youth group, uh, they count my ums and ahs when I speak. So I'm sure if there's a youth kid here, they'll be able to tell you all the ums and ahs I say. Uh, uh, at my school, we'll be doing debates and stuff. Uh, right there. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing debates and stuff. And my, my friend uh, makes fun that I have like a stutter that just comes out when I talk uh, in front of big groups of people. Uh, when we were doing Zoom classes, he'd be able to tell who was speaking, just because it'd be like, William Tyler, uh, like that. So... Uh, if you hear a lot of stuttering, it's normal. Uh, just, just be ready for that. Uh, this is my first ever full-length sermon. I've done sermonettes before, 15, 20 minutes. So if you're new to Calvary Chapel, please come back next week when Rob will be back, and you'll actually get a good experience. So, uh, yeah, with that, I'm just going to pray for their, uh, the service. Um, and just, yeah. Uh, dear Jesus, uh, I, I thank you... Uh, Thank you for Calvary Church and the work you've been doing here. Uh, I pray that your will would be done, regardless of what that looks like. Um, if that looks like a revival starts, that's awesome. If that looks like uh, this service is forgotten in history, that is also awesome. I pray that your will would be done in these people's lives, uh, and that you'd be moving, and that the Holy Spirit would be guiding our church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start uh, just talking about something that I was thinking about. We're going to get to honoring thy father and mother. Don't worry, parent, uh, children, you can be nervous uh, in, a li- in a little bit. But I was thinking about this idea between revival and uh, reformation. Revival is kind of this idea in the church. Well, both of these is where, sorry, both of these, God starts to work through the church and church starts to have a little bit of traction in society um, and starts to move society in a way. Uh, and I'm been thinking about revival and reforma- or reformation for the church because I think one of these is going to be the next step in having um, the West come back to Christ um, in a way that it hasn't been for the last 100 years. Uh, revival has been the chosen method of most churches right now. Um, and so a revival would be the Spirit comes down and it works within the church, um, meeting it where it's at, and the Spirit moves and brings people to Christ at a massive number and starts to move society. Uh, and you saw that uh, with the Azusa Street Revival. You see that in England with John Wesley and George Whitfield a little bit, um, and a little bit in the Americas. And then there's this idea of reformation, and that uh, when people make changes to stop the sin in the church and to start moving society uh, in a way that glorifies God because they start to read the scriptures and uh, obey those scriptures again. Uh, we see this with King Josiah. We see this with the Protestant Reformation, uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Zwingli. Um, so I was balancing these ideas in my head. And uh, like, wh- where is Calvary Chapel fitting into the historic church? And I really think um, my guess is that it's going to have to be Reformation. Um, because we have so much sin in our society, we have to start actually fixing the church and realizing where there is sin. Uh, and where we aren't doing the will of God. Um, and we have to fix that before God can actually come and bring revival to us. Um, and that, that's hard to hear, because that means we actually have to do something and ha- actually have to be willing to change. But uh, I, I think if we start there, 
we're going to be at a better place and be accepting our change a little bit better. So, with that said, I want to talk about honoring our father and mother, not because I think this is the most important thing that needs to be changed, but I think uh, if we change this, it starts to change the church in such a drastic way. Uh, So I'm just going to pull up the verse, and we're going to do the Rob, everyone turns and reads the verse. Uh, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Uh, uh, Rob, uh, so I was talking to Rob about doing this uh, sermon, and uh, he, he looks at me, uh, he has like a spinning chair, and he spins to me, and he's like, do you honor your father and mother? And uh, I was like, oh, I actually don't know if I honor my father and mother. So I went and I asked my dad, and I was like, hey, dad, do, do I honor my father and mother? And he's like, yeah, of course, super supportive. Uh, I go and ask my mom, and she gives me that side-eyed look that only my mom can give, where it's like, well, you try. And I was like, <laughs> okay, hopefully that's enough um, to, to talk about this. So, yeah, um, but right away the question comes to us, what about bad parents? Um, and it's fair. Our society is filled with bad parents. We have parents failing all the time. We have abusers. Uh, we have the ne- never give discipliners uh, that my preschool, co- uh, my cousin who teaches preschool gets so upset with. Um, uh, but when we look at this verse, I-, I don't think we get an excuse to not honor our father and mother. And I don't want to just talk about... Uh, biological fathers and mothers today. I also want to talk about spiritual fathers and mothers. So spiritual fathers and mothers isn't like God the Father. Uh, Oh, my mic kicked in. Uh, When we talk about spiritual fathers and mothers, we talk about those people in our lives that we put in the authority and are allowed to speak into our lives. Um, For example, Dave and Lynn, what are your Rwandan names? What did they give to you? What what is it? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. And how do they view you because of... Yeah. Uh, when, we, when we get into this place uh, of being able to honor uh, fathers and mothers, uh, spiritual fathers and mothers, it really starts changing things. For example, in my life, uh, I have a great dad, so I don't want to come off as saying that. My dad is amazing, and I, I have a couple stories but, uh, <laughs> that, that do praise him for being a great dad. But when I look at my life... Uh, the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, uh, really, really comes up. Uh, I'd love to shout out all their names, but I feel like I would just be like listing off hundreds of names, all, all raising me right. And I don't think this is an unbiblical concept. We can look at Moses and Joshua, for example. And Moses really leads Joshua as a young man until he's eventually able to lead Israel as his own. He even brings him up the mountain, and Joshua gets to avoid the whole golden uh, cow standard or that the Israelites did. We can look at Naomi and Ruth, which is like probably the most beautiful example of a spiritual mother taking up Ruth and um, changing her from her pagan gods to the real God, changing her customs to the Israelite customs. Uh, we can look at Elijah and Elisha, and my personal favorite, Paul and Timothy, where we literally have two books dedicated from Paul to Timothy, calling him his son, uh, and look at me as your father, and, uh, ra- and raising Timothy up so he can eventually ra- raise the church. Uh, so 
with all that evidence, I think we can't exclude ourselves from not being able to honor, honor, honor our father and mother uh, when there's a bad parent. Uh, that's a quick speed bump on the road. And I want to now look uh, at the most, uh, the, the most weird thing about this, which is the commandment, uh, or sorry, which is the promise. And when we look at this promise, I really want us to look at Israelite history. Um, first we go from Joshua to Judges. So uh, the Israelites come to the land of Israel, or sorry, come out of the, <laughs> my bad. I'm getting nervous. Uh, we gather the land of Egypt, uh, and the old generation dies off uh, for, uh, for not listening to God. But then we have this faithful generation of Israelites, uh, and these would be um, the people going into the land and conquering the land. And we can read through the book of Joshua, and they are like, listen to God-like, pretty much the golden standard. Like They are like, listen to pretty much every time. I think the one story that comes to mind is Joshua signing the treaty before actually talking to God. But um, pretty much every other time, they're listening right to God. They're walking around Jericho and destroying it, and they're being super obedient. Uh, but then we get to the, to the next generation, and we can, like, it literally says, in, uh, that should say Judges 2.12, uh, they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger. And the thing I want to focus on here is, the God of their ancestors is the one they forsook. You see, you, they, this generation turns away from the God that their fathers worship so faithfully, and right then, they start to fall away, and the whole uh, judge's pattern is they turn away. Uh, number two, uh, uh, they get conquered, Philistines, uh, Amorites, all this, and then they turn to God and ask, why are you doing this to us? They turn back. Uh, God delivers them, and the ne- that generation dies off, and the next generation turns back uh, away from the God of their ancestors. And this whole pattern just keeps happening. So we can see that they're not doing well in the land. And then the next uh, story we get is to David and the kings. Uh, so the kings, the whole narrative of the kings is you have faithful kings, and you have unfaithful kings. And this, one verse keeps coming up in each uh, genealogy. I can't say that. Oh my goodness, my tongue is tying up. But uh, you you have the good kings, and they're faithful, and they worship the God of their ancestors, or they worship the God of David. And then you have these bad kings who are not doing this. And eventually, these bad kings just keep taking over the narrative until it's just moral rot. Like, it's just disintegrating. And then even the good kings aren't living up to the standard set before them, and they leave the high places, they leave the pagan places. Um, uh, And because of this, they're eventually expelled from the land. Uh, And that's... So you have to accept that the story of the Israelites is fundamentally a story of not honoring their fathers and mothers. It's turning away from the God of their ancestors. Uh, So what does this have to do with us? Uh, we don't like to think about history a lot in our modern world. And if we do, we like to think of everything as oppression or uh, darkness of the past. Uh, and we, we like to think of ourselves as the glorious saviors of some destined failure. But uh, growing up in a Christian high school and a Christian university, I see this pattern of the Israelites happen all the time. People turn, will have great parents, will have glorious standards, um, but then they, they don't 
fully trust what their parents uh, have to teach them. And they'll let a little bit of sin come in until it eventually just destroys them. Um, uh, I'd love to give examples, but I think uh, if that's not my story, I don't want to be telling everyone else's story. But when you look at our culture through this lens of honoring the fathers and mothers before us, you see that how we've, been, we've even begun to teach dishonoring as a virtue. So if you've been watching Disney movies lately, like my little sisters have during COVID, you'll see a story pattern so different from the past story patterns that we've had. So in the past, story patterns used to be uh, they go on the journey and they meet a wise person. And the wise person either... Um, sorry. Uh, the wise person, uh, they either obey or they disobey. And if they obey them, it goes well for them. If they disobey them, it, uh, it fails, and someone has to come save them. Or you get to the modern-day story arc, which means uh, they meet a wise person, they meet society, they meet tradition, is actually tricking them. Or they disobey and try and destroy society from within. But when we keep teaching, and this is, like, this is good, like a good story because it has a twist and we love it, we love watching movies like this. But when every story starts to do this, um, I could probably list off movies right now. The two my sisters love would be like Moana and Tangled, right off the bat, would be when you start to teach kids uh, this thing where society is bad, tradition is bad, and these wise people that are guiding you are bad, they eventually start to accept that the wise people are holding them back from true happiness, are holding them back um, from hope. So... The question is, how can we combat a world that doesn't want to honor our, uh, their fathers and mothers? And I would say, it starts with honoring their wisdom. Leviticus 19.3, uh, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Uh, revere would mean deep respect uh, in this regard. And this is where I want to talk about a story with my dad. Um, to, accept, to listen to the story, you have to know I hate doing dishes. If I could like I said this to my parents uh, the other day. If I won the lottery or could never do dishes again, I would choose never doing dishes again a hundred times. I hate doing dishes so much. Like, I hate it so, so much. Um, uh, but we were at a Christmas gathering, and just because the, the nature of having a Mennonite family, all the girls went to do the dishes, and uh, uh, the guys were sitting around the table. And we come home, and we eat supper, and... Uh, my mom's like, go do the dishes. And in front of all my sisters and everything, I don't know what went into my head to say this. I was like, that's a girl's job. And then right then, my life flashed before my eyes. Uh, my dad, the look he gave me, uh, could have striked fear into even the bravest man. Uh, um, so I was absolutely terrified. Um, but, uh, and I'd like to say it was a bad experience, but my dad looks to my mom, and I thought I was about to get punished so bad. My dad looks to my mom, and he's like, I'm sorry that I raised a man who wasn't willing to respect and honor women. Um, and that absolutely floored me. Um, I did eventually have to do the dishes for the rest of Christmas break, which is like two weeks. So I did, I did eat my words a little bit, but uh, my dad's saying that like in the moment, like the scales fell from my eyes, and I understood what my dad was trying to teach me for so long. Uh, about honoring and respecting women. I understood why he hated the uh, stupid trash they call High School Musical. Uh, I understood why he hated those teen romances. I understood why he hated um, uh, uh, when we did like the Nerf guns as kids, he wouldn't let me just shoot my sister's like 
crazy, but if it was my guy friends, it was totally fine. Uh, but when I understood my dad's wisdom, I totally understood where he was coming from, and I understood what he was trying to teach me. I understood why being a gentleman was so important. I understood why uh, not saying stupid stuff like that uh, uh, was important. So I, I think this is really important when we honor our fathers and mothers, when we honor our spiritual fathers and mothers. We have to understand the wisdom that they're trying to partake on us. Uh, when Rob speaks, uh, Rob is someone I'd hold in great respect as a spiritual father and mother. Do I accept the wisdom? Do I want to live with the wisdom that he's trying to partake on me? Or do I say, no, my wisdom's good enough. The, like the wisdom of a 20-year-old is going to be enough to like, live a successful, good life, glorifying God. Um, next, I think the next step would be honoring their authority. So Proverbs 6.20, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Um, when we accept someone as an authority, we allow them to speak into our lives. Um, and this is where like, uh, choosing a spiritual fa- father or mother or mentor is so important. Uh, because if I believe someone has wisdom, if I believe someone has that place of spiritual authority, I'm, I'm going to allow them to speak into my life. I'm going to allow their words to have some sort of authority on me. Um, we, do this all, uh, we do this when we read the Bible. We believe that the Bible has some sort of authority, so we obey it. Uh, honoring our father and mother, we are going to have to accept that they have some sort of authority. They have some sort of uh, position of power over me. Um, and we don't like to think that way. We live in a very, uh, I want to be independent, I want to be in control society, which is not the best. Uh, Thirdly, I think we have to honor their history. Uh, this has a lot of connotations, so I'm going to need you guys to slow down so I can explain this. But Deuteronomy 5.15, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Um, the Israelites, one of the fundamental things that was wrong with honoring their father and mother. They turned away from looking at the history that God had brought them through. Um, and for some reason in our modern church, we don't like to look at history. We don't like to look at what God has done. Um, and this is one reason, if you read my devotionals, I keep trying to bring up history. Um, because when we can look at that, we can understand what God was doing and why it's important for us now. That said, it's also because I'm 20, so my life experience is like that much compared to everyone else. Um, And that is not saying that history has uh, ultimate authority. Scripture is obviously the ultimate authority. Then history is way, way down here. Um, But we we do have to hold it in some respects. Um, And this is what I talk about in my devotional legacy, which I would recommend you guys to read. It's my favorite. Um, uh, My my whole family history starts with a drunk guy who couldn't... uh, it was so embarrassing to his family that they sent him to Canada because uh, he was just so, like, such a loser. Like, he sent uh, to Canada because like, you would just get drunk all the time. He finds Jesus, and then six generations later, um, they just keep glorifying God until it gets to me. Um, but it all starts just because some guy talked to some loser about Jesus. Um, and we have to be able to accept that. Now, that said... There's some truly horrific things in history, and when you look at history, uh, the moral evil just shines through. Uh, and this is where I'd want to look at 1 Kings 15:14, 14, 
where you have Asha live a holy life, uh, but not remove the high places, which were the places of pagan worship in, mod- in uh, that modern-day Israel. And because of this, Judah eventually is exiled from the land. When we're not able to deal with the evils of the past, uh, when we don't see the, uh, the evil for what it is, when we don't um, try to correct it, it infects our church and eventually brings us down. And we can see this all the time. People judge the church from outside of it all the time because they look at our past and we haven't done anything to fix it. And because we haven't done anything to fix the sin that we have, or the sins of the past, it just drags us all down. And that's one of the reasons society hates churches, despite being offices of love or what it should be. Uh, we've allowed sin to just infect us so greatly. We allow hypocrisy to just sit in us. So we need to look at history and be able to honor our father and mother by correcting their sins, but we also have to honor the good things they've done. We have to honor what God has worked through them. Uh, and lastly... Honoring their traditions. I know we're in a Pentecostal church right now, and traditions is like the villain. Uh, I want you guys to all chill out again. Um, Deuteronomy 16.3, you shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. Uh, God gave the Israelites traditions, and when they did not practice them, they eventually morally decayed into nothingness and were exiled from the land. Uh, when they didn't practice the traditions that their ancestors and God had given them, they kept turning away, turning away, turning away until they fell away. Um, we can't just assume that things are bad just because they are traditions. Uh, this happens so much in the modern Pentecostal church. We're like, oh, it's a tradition. No, I, want, I, I don't want it in my life. But... I'm not advocating for doing the bonnets and the dresses and whatever Catholics do with the, all this. But um, when, when we look at our modern church, uh, we have to have some traditions. Traditions hold us together and they help us to glorify God together. And they honor what uh, our fathers and mothers were trying to teach us. So for example, let's look at uh, me not being a gentleman again. Uh, being a gentleman... Uh, is a tradition, right? Holding a door open for a woman. There's no verse in the Bible that says if you don't hold the door open for a woman, you're sinning. But when we do that, and that becomes the moral um, uh, standard, then that honoring and respecting that little way speaks to the bigger way as well. Because if we can't even dishonor a woman by holding a, or closing a door or opening a door for a woman, then how is abusing a woman when you're married? Like That's not even thinkable because you... The opening the door is the standard you're held to. Uh, let's look at praying at mealtimes. Praying at mealtimes has become like, uh, like reciting Johnny Appleseed or whatever. Uh, but when we actually look at the spiritual practice of it, uh, thanking, God for your, uh, thanking God for your food before every meal, thanking God that um, you actually get to eat today, which throughout human history we have not gotten to do enough, um, we can see that there's a spiritual truth in actually being able to thank God for even me getting to eat today. Uh, and number three, this is the one that I get the most mad about all the time because it's mentioned all the time, is uh, the tradition of Christmas. Uh, people like want to write Christmas out because it's just a tradition. We stole it from the pagans anyway, which is so stupid because if you go to any six-year-old, I, I could ask them, what is the meaning of Christmas? And of course, they're going to talk about gifts and stuff, but eventually, when you get to the real meaning, they're going to be like the birth of Jesus. 
I would rather it be on the wrong day and kids remember the birth of Jesus. They remember God coming down from heaven and talking about um, and saving us. Then, like, who cares if it's the wrong day? Who cares if we took over a pagan tradition? The whole tradition of remembering that God came down to save us is so much more important. Why do we not do this with other things? Why not Pentecost when uh, the fire came on the disciples' heads and the Holy Spirit came down? Why not? uh, We don't celebrate Easter nearly enough. Uh, It's the most important day in history, and we're like, Palm Sunday, that's good. No, like, it's one of the most important uh, days in all of history. We barely celebrate it. Uh, Why why do we not celebrate baptisms or uh, when people get saved? If we believe the confession of faith saves you, uh, then why do we not celebrate that? at all, right? Like, we should, we should have cake back there celebrating every time someone gets saved. That's my opinion. But, uh, I don't know. That should be the biggest party ever. Who cares about their birthday? Like, most important days when they got saved. Um, uh, now, you guys are probably thinking I'm very legalistic about this. And that's fair. Uh, I went to Steinbeck Christian, and even they were like, yo, you got chill. Um, uh, but, I, I really don't want to be that legalistic guy. I, I think when we... Well, I'm going to have to go back. When we look here, there's obviously a blessing in honoring our father and mother. Um, and I'm really trying to point us toward this blessing that, um, uh, that we've been given by God. Um, so I, I want to make this personal with Calvary Church. Uh, in Calvary Church, we're in a new land. Look around you. Uh, if you haven't noticed, this is not, is it 30 Mackenzie, the old 30 Mackenzie? We're not in 30 Mackenzie anymore, okay? We're in this new land, this land that used to be a bank that God has turned, very much like the Israelites, has turned from a pagan thing to a holy land. Um, I'm not saying Steinbeck Credit Union's a pagan, by the way. I, I, I have my money there. I get my money from there. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's a transition in the land. Um, Wow, I'm going to get myself kicked off the stage. Uh, wow, okay. Uh, sorry, what I want to be intentional saying is that God's given us a new land. Um, and if we want to be a church that is honoring God, not in this generation only, but in the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, which I'm really hoping we are, we're going to be wanting all of our future generations to be bringing glory to Christ. We're really going to have to be intentional with honoring our father and mother uh, to, to live long in this land. Uh, there's a study that came out. It's called the three-generation rule, and our high school teacher talked about it all the time. So the first generation was the starting generation. So for Calvary Chapel, that would be Dave, where they started to turn back to God. Number two, the second generation is the growth generation. We see that with Rob right now. Look at all you guys. There's so many new faces in here that I've never seen before. Um, and we get that growth generation. The next generation is the failing generation, and they either turn uh, back to God, or in a business they uh, restart the starting phase, or they wipe their hands from it, and they turn away. And this is what I'm afraid of with Calvary Church, is we can get to the growth phase, and now we're going to stop. I don't want us to stop. I want us to be glorifying God. I want revivals. I want reformation. I want whatever God has for us for the generations and generations to come. And if we're not intentional with trying to glorify God, not with just this generation, but the next generation, the next generation, uh, if we're not intentional with how we raise our kids, with how the next generation comes up and how it listens to its authorities, uh, we can get in a very dark place. And we see this 
um, in the modern church all the time where we've turned away from the truth simply because we don't like the truth um, all too much. So that's all I have, but um, I really challenge you guys, um, in, even in your own lives, to honor your fathers and mothers. If you don't have a spiritual mentor or a father or mother, as I would say, um, go get one now. Submit. You're made to be under the authority of someone. If you're not under the authority of someone, you're a dog without a leash. Okay, so please go do that. Um, yeah, so I'll pray and allow the band up, and then uh, we can wrap this up. Uh, dear God, uh, I thank you uh, for your word, and I thank you um, that your will is being done um, in this world, even as we speak. Uh, I pray that you've been that. I thank you that you have been moving in history. I thank you that you've been moving in Calvary Church. I pray that we would be intentional with trying to follow and glorify you in our lives. I pray that honoring our father and mother would become a second nature to us as breathing. In Jesus' name, amen.